The buck stops with everybody. <laughs> Way to take responsibility, stud. Harry Truman will be proud. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, in Cottage Grove on KSO, and in Eugene on KEPW. Also, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, Seattle's KODX. Goldendale, Washington's KVGD and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Just trying to make sense of everything pouring in today. So much happened, frankly, over the Martin Luther King Day holiday weekend and continuing into today and into this hour that Desi Doyen, I think we're just going to have to catch up with most of it, in the days ahead. I know. I'm going to have that? to find uh, some new metaphors for, you yeah. know, volcano, tsunami, fire huge wave, hose, fire I know, hose. I know. Inc- Please send us your thesaurus. We yes, need it. Yes, <laughs> we do, really, at this point. Uh, including, by the way, over uh, today and the past few days, a number of election-related items and, and court rulings that I've been eager to get to. But for now, I want to leave plenty of time for my guest today, Marcy Wheeler of Empty Wheel. She's going to need it, I think, to try to help and clarify, if possible, just some of what happened over the weekend regarding the explosive report on Friday from BuzzFeed News that Donald Trump directed his uh, lawyer, his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, to lie about Trump's proposed $300 million project to build a Trump Tower in Moscow, even while Americans were voting in the 2016 presidential election. And then the wildly rare response to that article from special counsel Robert Mueller's office denying at least sort of, in part, some elements of that report. So for now, since I want to get to Marcy ASAP and we've got Desi Doyen's Green News Report also coming up later. Yep. uh, Let me just very quickly hit a few of today's headlines uh, focusing on the Supreme Court, which made some almost as confusing news itself today. The Trump administration, according to AP, may now go ahead with its plan 
to restrict military service by transgender men and women while court challenges, lower court challenges, continue. According to the Supremes today, the high court split five to four in allowing the plan to take effect with the court's five so-called conservatives greenlighting it and its four liberal members saying they would not have. The order from the court was brief. It was procedural. It had no elaboration uh, or explanation from the justices that even as lower courts have blocked Trump's order from taking effect, at least until now. Now, uh, everyone is reporting today that this may now go ahead. However, Mark Joseph Stern, legal reporter at Slate, friend of the show, often uh, a guest here, he tells us today via Twitter, quote, lots of reporting stating that Trump's trans troop troops ban can now take effect due to SCOTUS's actions today. He says this is not Correct. A nationwide injunction remains in place in one of the cases, one of the challenges against this order. Stern says that he has confirmed this with the litigator on the case. He says it's extremely likely that in light of today's orders from the Supreme Court that the injunction would soon be reversed. But for now, it remains in effect. So the trans troops ban cannot yet begin later after uh, some more confirmation that Mark was, uh, in fact, right. Uh, he wrote that uh, I realize the last remaining injunction will likely soon be lifted, but it matters a great deal to many people whether the ban actually took effect today. It did not, says Mark. And I hope the inaccurate reports will be corrected. So with that in mind and presuming that injunction gets reversed, uh, as Mark suggests, uh, he, he's never been wrong in the past here. Uh, but uh, so presuming that we need to see that injunction reversed first, AP reports that the court's decision today now does clear the way for the Pentagon to bar enlistment by people who have undergone a gender transition and would also allow the administration to require that military personnel serve as as members of their biological gender unless they begin a unless they began a gender transition under the Obama administration's less restrictive rules. So uh, why is he doing this? Well, we don't know. There have been hearings in in the uh, U.S. Senate and the U.S. House on all of this. All of the heads of the uh, military branches say that there has been no problem with gender cohesion, with, uh, with unit cohesion, with unit cohesion due to uh, gender from these uh, people. Nonetheless, this all comes from the 2017 tweet by Donald Trump where he pretty much out of the blue said, quote, after consultation with my generals and military experts, mind you, he hadn't at the time actually consulted with any of those people. The Pentagon was completely caught off guard by this announcement. After consultation, please be advised that the U.S. government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity. Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical cost and disruptions that transgender in the military would entail. That all disputed by the military themselves. 
And uh, as the court cases have moved ahead across the country, uh, they have pretty much, to a one, all found that, uh, no, he cannot do this the way he is doing this. Uh, But now the Supreme Court says, well, he can if he wants, essentially. That's what they are allowing to happen while the courts and the challenges uh, continue at the lower court level. uh, level. Now, uh, the military has acknowledged that over 900 men and women currently serving have received a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. A 2016 survey estimated that about 1% of active duty service members, that's about 9,000 men and women, identify as transgender. So it's very unclear what's going to happen uh, to those folks under this policy at this point, uh, under this very cruel policy at this point. Meanwhile, in other uh, Supreme Court news today, uh, much better, I think uh, certainly less cruel news for now. The Supreme Court took no action on Tuesday on the future of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA program, a move that requires the government to keep the program going still for at least 10 more months now. That's the Obama-era program issued under executive order protecting some children of immigrants who were brought here years ago by their parents, protecting them from deportation back to a country that many of them have never known. Trump lifted the DACA protections for hundreds of thousands of these kids, and he's now using a, uh, a temporary restoration of that protection as bait for Democrats to agree to his demand for $5.7 billion for a border wall, which has all left the government shut down now for more than 30 days. The previous record for a government shutdown, by by the way, was 21 days during uh, Bill Clinton's presidency. But uh, for now, the court has decided taking any of these DACA cases, the Trump administration had urged the justices to hear appeals of lower court rulings that prevent the government from ending DACA. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, for example, in San Francisco ruled that uh, far from being illegal, as the Trump uh, administration and Republicans have argued, deferred action has been a feature of the immigration system for decades. They wrote, in a world where the government can remove only a small percentage of the undocumented non-citizens present in the country in any year, deferred action programs like DACA enable the Department of Homeland Security to devote much needed resources to enforcement priorities such as threats to national security rather than blameless and economically productive young people with clean criminal records. That was from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals blocking uh, Trump's move to end DACA. That is what the administration wanted the Supreme Court to uh, to to pick up and to hear themselves. For now, the Supreme Court will not be doing that. Now, uh, they may still choose to do that, but if they do do it, it at this point, it won't be heard until the next session beginning next October. A ruling wouldn't happen until the June after that. So. Uh, Right now, for now, this is where we are, and the uh, folks who are endangered under the lifting of DACA may still be endangered, but there is no hard decision either way from the U.S. Supreme Court. So that's good. Nonetheless, the future of that program remains murky, uh, as does whether we're getting any closer to ending the month-long federal government shutdown, at least at this hour. 
But speaking of murky, uh, how to make sense of BuzzFeed's blockbuster report late Friday and Robert Mueller's response to it regarding Donald Trump reportedly instructing, directing Michael Cohen to lie to Congress and federal investigate investigators about the Moscow Trump Tower project. Let's take a quick break and we'll be joined by national security reporter Marcy Wheeler of Empty Wheels. She is standing by. I am Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Lights, 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 yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Never telling you lies, but trying to figure out who actually is lying out there. Uh, on our previous Bradcast, uh, that would be Friday before the uh, holiday weekend, we discussed the bombshell report from Anthony Cormier and Jason Leopold of BuzzFeed News, who reported exclusively that Donald Trump, quote, directed his longtime attorney, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress about negotiations to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. They uh, cited their sources for the story as, quote, two unnamed federal, well, they don't say unnamed, I say unnamed, uh, they were unnamed, two federal law enforcement officials involved in an investigation of the matter, unquote. And they said that Robert Mueller's, quote, special counsel's office learned about Trump's directive for Cohen to lie to Congress through interviews with multiple witnesses from the Trump organization and internal company emails, text messages, and a cache of other documents. In other words, this claim did not rely only on what uh, Michael Cohen had to say, but additional documentation as well. It was... Of course, an explosive story. It lit up D.C. with uh, calls from Democrats uh, and others for immediate investigation and even discussions of impeachment proceedings in response to what was described as the subornation of perjury by the president of the United States and obstruction of justice, etc., etc., purportedly in hopes of concealing uh, that his dealings with Russia on a proposed project to build a Trump Tower in Moscow had continued far longer than either Michael Cohen or the president had acknowledged. Cohen had previously told federal investigators and Congress that the Moscow project had actually ended in January of 2016, before voting in the presidential primary had begun that year, but he later admitted in his guilty pleas that discussion of the project continued with various Russian entities through June of that year after Trump had secured the GOP nomination. 
Now, while we noted uh, at the time uh, last Friday that if the BuzzFeed if the BuzzFeed allegations, which no other news outlet had yet corroborated, if they turned out to be true, um, the charge of subornation of perjury would mirror the charges that President Bill Clinton faced from Republicans when they demanded his impeachment back in the 90s for allegedly encouraging witnesses to lie to Congress and federal investigators about a sexual affair. Well, all right, so that catches us up to uh, just about Friday night. A few hours after we got off the air on Friday night, Special Counsel Robert Mueller's office issued a very, very rare, and I should add very carefully worded, comment disputing aspects of BuzzFeed's report. Special Counsel Spokesman Peter Carr issued a one-sentence response that read as follows, quote, BuzzFeed's description of specific statements to the Special Counsel's office and characterization of documents and testimony obtained by this office regarding Michael Cohn's congressional testimony are not accurate. Now, BuzzFeed continues to stand by its story uh, today and has asked Mueller's office for details on which elements of its story they are disputing. The fallout over all of this continued over the weekend when Trump's TV attorney, Rudy Giuliani, claimed that Trump continued to work on the Moscow project as late as October or November of 2016, all the way up through Election Day. Though he has, as Rudy does, subsequently walk back uh, at, at least some of the several assertions he made on weekend news shows in response to the Friday report, which he and Donald Trump now characterize as totally phony, which is hardly unusual for Trump, while actually lauding the special counsel, which is very unusual for Trump, for releasing its response to the BuzzFeed report on Friday night. And in the weekend flurry of everyone trying to figure out just what the hell is or is not going on here and whether Trump did or did not instruct Cohen, direct him to lie to federal investigators about the Moscow project, reports began circulating first by The Washington Post, I believe, uh, that Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who's overseeing the special counsel's probe, that he personally requested this rare response from Mueller's office, perhaps on behalf of the White House, which, according to other reports, had reportedly requested the same. Now, BuzzFeed's Jason Leopold, a master of the Freedom of Information Act request, has now foiled the administration to try and figure out what exactly happened between them and the special counsel that resulted in this rare public comment. All the while, as BuzzFeed maintains, they are standing 100 percent behind their original report. So what is clear here is that nothing is clear. Nobody seems to know anything for certain as the already wildly confusing story of the Trump-Russia probe and everything related to it has become muddier still over the past several days. But you know what? That may have been the hope of this administration and of Giuliani in the first place in responding to the bombshell news last week. Here now to hopefully 
I wish her luck, hopefully uh, help clarify what we know and what we don't and why Mueller's office took the unusual step of publicly disputing the reporting on this particular story in the first place is the one person who may be following all of this closer than just about anybody else on the planet, at least outside of Robert Mueller's office, though she may have him beat there as well in certain aspects, in my opinion. Marcy Wheeler is an independent legal and national security journalist at her site EmptyWheel.net and a contributor to many other publications, including The Intercept, The Guardian, Politico, and The New York Times, among others. Marcy Wheeler, welcome back to the broadcast. So, Brad, you're telling me I need to get a life. Uh, well, I'm sort of saying <laughs> you might want to consider that. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, we need you. We need you uh, figuring out what you're figuring out because you seem to be the only one who can figure it out. Uh, frankly, uh, your your reporting here has been incredible in, in keeping up with all of this stuff, all of the things that are known and unknown across the media reports and the legal filings and the congressional testimony. So one of the reasons I personally hate just about everything about this story, though maybe it's one of the things you love about it, is that it is so confusing trying to figure out what is known, what's unknown, what folks are lying about, what folks are misreporting. So what I want to do here, Marcy, for the moment is try to understand first, in general, what is known to be true about the BuzzFeed report allegations that Trump directed Cohn to lie and what either isn't known or what is known to be wrong. And then we can d discuss why all of this confusion in the first place. Let me, I mean, what is known to be true is BuzzFeed offered some particular details that match exactly with details that Mueller has offered. So, for example, they put a price tag to the deal. It was $300 million. So when Don Jr. took, took a meeting with Russians offering... Uh, a package of assistance from the Russian government and uh, heard about sanctions relief, he probably believed that that meeting might be part of his family making $300 million. So uh, things like that, BuzzFeed added key details. Mm -hmm. Where we begin to get confused is in the language in Peter Carr's comments. Mm -hmm. And there are competing versions about whether this was meant to be a gross throwdown of the story or a more specific one, he emphasized special counsel's office. He said it twice in the statement. Mm -hmm. And it's important to know that there's another office prosecuting Michael Cohen. That's Southern District of New York, Manhattan prosecutors. They're prose or they did prosecute him um, for the hush payments, mm -hmm. the payments to Stormy Daniels, right? Right. And they are the ones who first raided his home. And obtained all of the materials that Mueller used to prove that Cohen was was also lying about the um, Trump Tower story. Mm -hmm. So when Mueller's office emphasized this is not what this office has gotten in testimony, this is not this, you know, this, this characterization that BuzzFeed mm -hmm. used, uh, not this office, he's emphasizing, and I think importantly, that that's not where Mueller is on this story. Um, and, and significantly, Cohen was already sentenced in both these cases. In SDNY, in, in New York, prosecutors had him allocute to, they had him plead guilty mm -hmm. to being directed by individual one. So they went fairly aggressively in characterizing the way in which Trump told Cohen to go pay off these women. 
So, so in the allocution for Mueller's office, yeah. they were much more circumspect. They said that they had Cohen say, I lied because I knew what Trump's messaging was, and I matched my lie to Trump's messaging with, by the way, and this is important, with Trump's uh, lawyers and aides in the White House. So Mueller is arguing that Cohen was coordinating with people at the White House, and, and I'm sure with Trump Organization as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he just is not going out on the same limb that SDNY prosecutors are to say that it came at Trump's order. Oh. And one of the reasons why SDNY, I'm sure, is quite comfortable saying what they said is because Cohen made a tape of that. Right? He had Trump on tape ordering him to go make these hush payments. We should assume, particularly given um, there was a New Yorker column that came out last night or this morning where Rudy said, I've listened to the tapes, I've listened to the tapes. We should assume because uh, Trump's people got to see, got to review all of the dis- all of the things that Southern District of New York uh, seized from Cohen. Mm-hmm. We should assume there's not a similar smoking gun tape pertaining to Trump ordering Cohen to... to um, go lie about the Trump Tower deal. Okay, let me let me hear, let, hang on to that other important thing, because I want to clarify just yeah. a few points of what you made to make sure I'm understanding it. First, when uh, Peter Carr from the special counsel, when he puts out a statement saying that the description of specific statements to the special counsel's office and the characterization of various documents and testimony that is obtained by this office, you're saying that refers to what the special counsel knows and doesn't and works on specifically. It does not necessarily encompass what the um, uh, Southern District of New York, the federal investigators there, what they may either have or know or believe or be interested in prosecuting. So, is it, do I understand that correctly? So he's basically saying it's, uh, you know, they may feel differently about it, but we here at the special counsel, we have a very limited uh, outlook on these f- facts. We have a different characterization of what that means. And importantly, Michael Cohen's testimony likely plays a part in each of these investigations differently. He mm-hmm. is not cooperating at all in New York one cent beyond what he was charged. So, you know, he was charged with not just the hush payments, but also a tax medallion fraud. And if Southern District of New York wanted to, and they probably do, want to keep investigating, they're going to get to some of Cohen's other financial killings, and we won't get into that. So he is not cooperating any further than he has to in Southern District, but he did with Mueller's office and mm-hmm. got a slight sentencing variant for it. And may hope that if he can, you know, be credible on a stand, you know, describing not that Trump ordered him to lie, but describing his discussions with Don Jr. about this Trump Tower deal such that uh, he can help convince a jury that when Don Jr. took that meeting, he knew it was worth $300 million for the family. Um, So Cohen it appears, is still hoping to get some further cooperation deal from Mueller's people. He may or may not succeed. But in any case, Mueller, Mueller's, I mean, SDNY has other credible witnesses to tell the story about Trump ordering these payments because they offered immunity to a couple people from Trump Oregon and National Enquirer. There, there likely is no other witness to what Cohen told Don Jr., 
except for a bunch of documentation from Trump Organization. So Mueller's people have an incentive not to set the bar for any further legal case, any further than they needed to be. And they, and they don't need to claim that Trump ordered Cohen to lie, because you know what? They have evidence showing Trump ordered people to lie in about three other circumstances, and they have witnesses to the fact who didn't perjure themselves or at least cleared up their testimony with the FBI. So they don't need to go there. And, and one of the things that I think that statement did last Friday was say, you know what, we're not going to go as far as whatever BuzzFeed sources said. We, we characterize what came into this office, the testimony that Michael Cohen did. We characterize that testimony to reflect him coordinating with a bunch of people who work directly for Trump, mm-hmm. uh, and but him deciding of his own accord to match his lies to the lies that Trump was already having people tell. But specific- it's, a, it's a subtle difference. And frankly, there are lawyers who are making the very important point that um, Trump could be charged with both if he ever were charged. I mean, um, conspiring to lie is the same thing, you know, in terms of how long you can spend in the pokey. Conspiring to lie is the same thing as suborning perjury, is mm-hmm. ordering somebody to lie, and therefore... The difference may not be that substantial, um, so, but Mueller has a really important prosecutorial incentive to set the bar for Cohen's testimony precisely where they know they can prove it with a bunch of other corroborating a- 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 evidence. They don't need to say, you know, Trump said, go do it, because that's not going to help their case. That's not going to help their case in chief if they ever get there, but it's also going to make it harder to prove their case, and there's no purpose to make that harder. So to be clear, uh, Mueller, uh, Peter Carr, could have come out and said the BuzzFeed report is false, but they did not do that. They used this uh, very carefully worded sentence instead, and and, and so in, as, as you read it, it's not them saying the report was false, it's just trying to separate themselves between what BuzzFeed is reporting and, and how it characterizes Cohen and so forth. I, am I generally understanding that in a, in a large sense, correctly? Yeah, and, and we'll also say this. Yeah. Um, Rudy Giuliani, in one of his many lettering appearances on the Sunday shows, yeah. strongly suggested, and this is something that BuzzFeed then picked up, that, that, that Rudy strongly suggested there's going to be a leak investigation about the sources for the story. Okay. And, you know, Mueller has been very hawkish about leaks, including a leak, another set of stories that these same two reporters published on suspicious activities reports on Russian financing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mueller, Mueller is very happy to have DOJ investigate leaks that pertain to his, his, his uh, investigation. And Rod Rosenstein is notoriously hawkish on leak investigation. So the other thing that Carr's statement, uh, well, one of the other things, we'll get to the pressure from the White House and Mm -hmm. and possibly Rosenstein. Um, The other thing that Carr's statement likely was designed to do was say, this office did not leak that to the BuzzFeed reporters. And one reason we can say that, and I'm just sort of putting words in Carr's mouth, which, Mm -hmm. you know, there are no other words there, so I'm going to throw them in. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't Um, talk much. Yeah. But Carr has a real incentive. Mueller has a real incentive to say, this was a leak. It didn't come from us. It be, and one reason why we're going to argue it didn't come from us, and I don't know whether that's the I don't know mm-hmm. who BuzzFeed sources are, but 
um, you know, one reason that they that they would want to say that is because then their bosses aren't going to come down on them. You know, as soon as Mueller has spent, I said this the other day, Mueller spent 20 months earning a very well-deserved reputation for not leaking, and they don't need anybody to screw that up now. But, and, and the sto- you know, the story is very interesting, but it just is not in Mueller's incentive to have that story out there right now. So when there's... Particularly not to have any suggestion they may have been leaking. Okay, so when BuzzFeed reports uh, two federal law enforcement officials involved in an investigation of the matter, Mueller is basically responding here to say, well, maybe there were federal law enforcement investigating the matter, but they weren't from our office. They were from somewhere else, some other office. Uh, that makes sense. Now, you mentioned very quickly, uh, you mentioned tapes and, and added some confusion to me, at least, uh, <laughs> regarding Rudy Giuliani and the tapes of what there is and isn't. The BuzzFeed story talks about uh, internal company emails, text messages, me- messages and a cache of other documents. You seem to imply, I may have misheard, that there were tapes specifically with Donald Trump ordering uh, uh, Cohen to lie here. I think maybe I misunderstood that. You meant there are tapes, and we've heard them, where Trump is talking to uh, Michael Cohen about those payments, those hush money payments. We don't know that there's any tapes, uh, do we, uh, with uh, Trump telling Cohen to lie about this other, about the Moscow project? We should assume there aren't tapes. We should assume there aren't tapes, and I say that for two reasons. One is, BuzzFeed didn't claim there were tapes. Okay. But Rudy also said in that New Yorker piece, I know that there are no tapes showing Trump ordered this. Okay. And the reason that Rudy would know that, the way in which he would know that is, after they seized a bunch of stuff from Michael Cohen back in April, mm-hmm. um, Trump organization and Trump's lawyer said, whoa, this is privileged stuff. You can't have SDNY determine what is privileged or not, meaning the what is attorney-client privilege? Mm-hmm. What is what what pertains to Michael Cohen actually being somebody's right. either lawyer or client? Right. And so Trump organization and Trump's lawyers got to review everything that was taken in that raid, um, and they paid five hundred thousand dollars for it, which for Trump is a lot of money. <laughs> you yeah. know, he's not even paying Rudy. Um, <laughs> right. And and. Um, and so my guess is one reason they did that is they wanted to know how badly Cohen could hurt them and how mm-hmm. badly the materials seized from Cohen could hurt them. And so when Rudy says there are no tapes of Trump ordering Cohen to go lie to the Congress, he's mm-hmm. not saying the meeting didn't happen. He's saying he's gone through the discovery of what was seized from Cohen. From Cohen. And, and unlike the Stormy Daniels payment or the um, Karen McDougal payment, right. Cohen did not have his phone recording if and when Trump ordered him to go lie to Congress. So even if he knows there are no tapes on this particular matter, uh, does he know that there are no internal company emails, text messages, or other documents, as BuzzFeed reports? Does he know that there is not evidence for this stuff? Or is that uh, why he's specifically talking about the tapes? Because he knows there's no tapes, but he can't speak about the other stuff. Um, it, it may be that characterization issue again. Um, we know, even with the June 9th meeting, we know that um, the two Allens, Trump Organization lawyers, Allen Future Fox and Allen Garden, both were working directly with witnesses to the June 9th meeting to kind of arrange a story they were all going to tell. 
And it took them a, over a month of doing that, a month and a half, basically, of doing that before they said, hey, maybe we ought to do this lawyer to lawyer. They're not very good at running cover-ups, as it turns <laughs> out. And I would be shocked if there weren't very similar communications between Cohen and Trump organization lawyers. BuzzFeed said there's even these kinds of communications with White House lawyers, which is actually pretty, pretty uh, amazing. Um, and if that's the case, that's pretty damning in, in and of itself. The point is that uh, no one, no one, neither Mueller nor BuzzFeed, is, or, or frankly Rudy, is contesting that Cohen told these lies in conjunction with people close to Trump. It may be that BuzzFeed and their sources say, look at this. These are a bunch of people who work for Donald Trump. They're all coordinating. They've all decided on a message that they're going to settle on. And, oh, by the way, Don Jr., in his first uh, appearance before Congress uh, at SJC in September of 2017, he told the same story Cohen did. So, you know, clearly there was coordination going on. And clearly, you know, even Mueller uh, argues that that happened with the involvement of people very close to Trump. So there was co- there was coordination going on. But so so the dispute that the White House is coming down to is that they are saying, no, he didn't specifically direct him to lie. There might be maybe Trump told someone else to tell him to lie or uh, maybe Cohen, uh, as he says in his uh, allocution, uh, was just going along with Trump's political messaging of the day. So he knew to lie. But so they're they're disputing and they're basically saying, no, this is wrong. Donald Trump never told Michael Cohen to lie. Whether that's true or not, that's what the White House is essentially asserting with their protestations here. Correct. And legally, it probably doesn't make a difference. Legally, Trump is probably still on the hook for the fact that he let Michael Cohen lie to Congress and his okay. son to lie to Congress about what was going on with that with with that Trump Tower deal. So, you know, to some degree, and this is why for Mueller, um, and we can talk about the political pressure here, for Mueller, it costs him nothing. In fact, it, it's actually a benefit for him to come out and say, look, we did not set the bar for what Cohen you know, how mm-hmm. involved Trump was in Cohen's life. We did not set it there. We did not set it with him on the phone with Donald Trump, getting a direct order, go lie to the mm-hmm. House Judiciary Committee. Um, but they also have an incentive, again, because of the leak investigation. They, they Legally, there is no difference for them whether Trump let, you know, um, helped everyone around him coordinate to make Michael Cohen's lives easier or got on the phone with him and said, "Go lie to protect me." And they also um, did not. They also do not come out and say he did not say that. So there. Let me. Uh, I got just a minute, a couple of minutes here, Marcy, real quick. Um, we we have alluded to this pressure from. Uh, either the either the White House or Rudy Giuliani or uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein uh, to get this remarkable response from the special counsel's office when they almost never say nothing about nothing. Uh, what do we know about pressure that was applied uh, to the special counsel? to make this statement um, and and who did this pressure come from if it did? So we know that uh, Trump's lawyers sent a letter Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, although even there, Rudy was sort of backing off how much he'd submit to, probably because Jason Leopold had already submitted a FOIA. Right. Um, so we know that Trump's lawyers, uh, now they're calling it confidential and so they're not allowed to talk about it, but, but 
Leopold's going to argue, you've already confirmed it on Sunday shows. You have to give me the document. The foyers, so we yeah. know that <laughs> we know that Friday morning, um, Trump's lawyer sent a letter raising concerns. And we know that there was a conversation much later in the day between Rod Rosenstein's office, not necessarily him directly. There's a guy named Ed Callahan who's Ed O'Callahan who's in charge of overseeing Mueller's office, but somebody in his office was on the phone with somebody in Mueller's office, and something was said. Washington Post said they asked if a statement was coming. CNN said uh, they were given a heads up. Um, and again, that given a heads up language came only after Leopold announced that he had submitted a FOIA. So um, I think people are trying to make this less damning. It's actually not that damning for Trump's lawyers to say, hey, we know what the record says and mm-hmm. it doesn't back the BuzzFeed story. It would be far more damning if Rod Rosenstein on his own mm-hmm. or Rod Rosenstein after a call from Trump or Rod Rosenstein after a call from Matt Whitaker. If any of those things happened and he then called Mueller's office and said, where's your statement? That arguably breaks the rules of the special counsel office. And do, do we... Do, yeah, go ahead. Do we, do we know yeah, if Rosenstein uh, actually made a request of the office for them, of the special counsel, to reply to this? Well, like I said, Washington Post uh, reported it as Rosenstein calling and asking if a statement was coming, which could be read as pressure, we want you to do a statement. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think that there are people still trying to chase down the specific details of this, but the, the point is that Rosenstein or Ed O'Callaghan, or Matt Whitaker, none of them are supposed to be involved in the day-to-day procedures at Mueller's office. None of them are supposed to be involved in how you respond to media inquiries and how you respond to inaccurate reports. So if they put the finger on the scale, then they did something improper. Now, Cohen is uh, set to give public testimony to Congress on February 5th unless he cancels, as he's reportedly been having second thoughts uh, due to Trump's uh, sort of threats, apparent threats to uh, to his family. But if Cohen does give testimony as currently scheduled on February 7th, would whether or not he was told to lie by the president directly, would that be something that lawmakers uh, could ask and that he could answer, or would that be something that is uh, out of bounds uh, because it would throw the special counsel's efforts off, and so uh, they would not broach that particular topic? Yeah, um, they can ask, but um, Mueller's office, and frankly, I think SDNY, have both said to, to oversight, we're not going to let him answer any of those questions. These are both ongoing investigations, uh, so he's not going to answer and um, and that was clear even before this blow-up happened, but it's even more clear now. I mean, I honestly, in my opinion, Oversight should cancel that and invite the GSA in to talk about Trump D.C. and how it's unconstitutional because it's just as inflammatory, and that would not affect any ongoing investigation. Um, you're not going to hear anything. At the, you, you are not going to hear Cohen answer any questions about Russia or even the hush payments. Uh, if he does actually testify on February 7th. All right. And uh, I know that, uh, Marcy Wheeler, you know uh, Jason Leopold personally, as do I. He's been on the show several times over the years. I don't know Anthony uh, uh, Cormier personally myself. Don't know if you do. But um, knowing them and, and Jason over the years, do you have confidence in them as reporters that they would not have published this unless they, well, 
I was going to say whether they knew that unless they knew they were right or at least that they thought they were right. What is your personal confidence uh, in the story as it was uh, put out by them? I have confidence that their editors made sure they had more than just the two anonymous sources to make the claims that they made. I have confidence that their editors have checked that and are confident that they made the right decision. I'll also add that BuzzFeed made a a news claim that Trump had ordered this lie. Mm -hmm. What Mueller is pushing back against is a legal claim. And it's important to remember those two standards because uh, I think that BuzzFeed appears... Uh, and again, they've got, it's not just Jason and Anthony. They've mm-hmm. got great editors there, and a number of editors, as has been publicly reported, were involved in that story. Um, so I have very high confidence that the editors have very high confidence that Jason and Anthony have the goods to back the claims they made. Um, their standards are different from Mueller's standards just because they're not ever going to have to go before a jury and argue specific points of law. And they're not, you know, they're they're not it's just a different kind of claim. Well, there's and a so, new there's a there's a, a a news point of view in one regard as you say. There's a legal point of view on the other with Mueller and then there's the impeachment point of view that a bunch of Democrats on Friday were suddenly talking about if this happened, this is an impeachable offense. Where does uh, where does that fall as far as the facts that we know? Is it uh, time to look at impeachment, at least specifically on this charge of uh, of suborning perjury and obstructing of justice by instructing a witness to lie? Is there enough there yeah, for it, that? It, it, well, and it's, it's not just Democrats. Uh, Lindsey Graham and William Barr, mm-hmm. uh, nominee to be Attorney General, said if if somebody um, encourages somebody to lie in testimony, I, I don't know exactly what, I don't have mm-hmm. it right in front of me, what is, is that obstruction? William Barr said yes. Yep. So the soon-to-be Attorney General said, yes, if this happened, it is a crime. And Chris Wallace, who only matters because he's on Fox News, <laughs> also said if this really happened, this is impeachment territory. So it's even Republicans are saying that, and that's why I think the White House made the effort to, to, to talk to Mueller on Friday morning, because it wasn't just Democrats saying this is impeachment-worthy. It, it was Republicans, too. Um, I think that Congress should talk about the GSA first, because that's something that no law enforcement officer, as far as we know, is currently investigating. I think that Congress already has substantial evidence that um, Trump encouraged Don Jr. to lie about the June 9th meeting. They already have that wit. They have that evidence in, in sworn form. Mm. Um, and and that, that alone that alone would be the president of the United States instructing a witness in a federal case to lie to federal prosecutors. Even without the Cone stuff, you've got the Don Jr. stuff that seems to do almost exactly the same thing when it comes to either news value, legal value, or impeachment value, right? Yeah, uh, although, I mean, we only have evidence that Don Jr. lied to the Senate Judiciary Committee, but we do have that evidence. Okay. And so, I mean, one of the complaints I have about the BuzzFeed article is they said this is the first time where we know that that Trump has ordered people to lie. It's like, no, we don't. We've got like three Mm. or four other cases, and we've got, you know, in in the um, June 9th meeting case, sworn testimony. 
Um, and so if Congress wants to go that direction, they can go with what they already have. They can go with some of the questions. I mean, just as an example, um, there is abundant reason to believe that Trump knew that Mike Flynn was lying, not when he interviewed with the FBI, because he didn't know about the FBI interview ahead of time, but when he first started claiming that uh, he had never talked about sanctions, Trump knew that was a lie. Trump knew that was a lie. And so when, um, after he learned that, um, that Flynn had said the same thing to the FBI, Trump knew he had lied. Trump knew he had lied. So, you know, until short of coming out and saying, I'm sorry that my national security advisor lied to the FBI about whether or not he talked about sanctions with Russians, he is tacit, remains tacit in that lie. Um, and that's the kind of thing that given that um, Mike Flynn has already, well, he's, he hasn't been sentenced either, but um, that's another area where Congress stopped short of investigating because Flynn was in Mueller's sites and they might start collecting evidence on that front now. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, there's abundant evidence that Trump has ordered people to lie and that uh, subsequent to his orders to tell lies, his people have continued to tell those lies either to the FBI or to Mueller or to Congress, and that's illegal. Um, that should be a no-brainer, and the press really needs to start telling that story more generally. Uh, it shouldn't be just up to BuzzFeed to make this argument because the evidence is already out there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree, and I guess maybe we'll begin to see that when they finally, when Democrats finally start to uh, hold their own uh, hearings and investigation publicly now that they are back in the majority in the House. Mars Wheeler, i got to get out, running incredibly late. Uh, you can find her work, you should find her work, over at EmptyWheel.net. You can and also should follow her on the Twitters at EmptyWheel to try to make sense of this all. I don't know if we got, uh, if we're any clearer than we were when we started, Marcy, but boy, do I appreciate that you are there and uh, willing to help us out on all of this. We'll uh, <laughs> thank you so much. I suspect we'll be bothering you again soon. Take care, Brad. Thanks, Marcy. Okay, running late. Got to get out. We'll be back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Well, Desi Doyen, are you any clearer on what the hell is going on with the BuzzFeed report and Robert Mueller's response to it and everything that has happened since then? Yeah, I feel like I, I do know a little bit more now, yes. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I'm still having a hell of a time making sense of what is going on and what isn't, but I do suspect that is really the whole point uh, behind the White House strategy at this point. Just confuse the hell out of all of us. Mission <laughs> accomplished. All right, we got to get to it. Our latest Greed News report. Half a dozen people told Reuters Saturday their family members were just desperate to fill up their cars to get to work. Tragedy in Mexico as leaking pipeline explodes. We don't have enough staff resources to really get the job done that we need to get done. Trump's government shutdown threatens to make U.S. wildfires even worse. 
worse. A federal judge halts seismic testing permits during the shutdown. Plus, we're talking about heat waves over and over and over again. Australia's historic heat wave is melting roads and decimating wildlife. All of that decimation and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Day 26 of the government shutdown and vital services are being threatened. For instance, I've run out of shutdown jokes. <laughs> I know the feeling. This is your Green News Report. We might have to dip into the National Reserve at this point. Okay, Desi Doyen, disastrous, heartbreaking situation down in Mexico with yet another pipeline explosion. Yes, it's a real tragedy in Mexico. Officials say more than 90 people have died from a fuel pipeline explosion and fire in central Mexico, and the toll is expected to rise. The explosion occurred late on Friday as hundreds of villagers in the state of Hidalgo rushed to collect fuel from a pipeline spill amid a government crackdown on fuel theft that has triggered a widespread gasoline shortage. Mexico's state-owned oil company Pemex is also under renewed scrutiny for its reaction to the blast because it reportedly knew the pipeline was leaking for several hours but did not shut it off. Hmm. More than 90, you say, were killed? Yes. Unbelievable. In Australia, a relentless historic heat wave shows no signs of letting up, with temperatures as much as 21 degrees Fahrenheit hotter than normal across the continent. The current extreme heat wave is melting roads, withering crops, causing stone fruits to burn from the inside out. Officials are pumping oxygen into rivers and lakes to stop fish kills in hot oxygen-depleted rivers. Five of the country's hottest 10 days on record have all occurred just this summer. That's a thing? You can pump oxygen into rivers and lakes to try to keep the fish alive? Yes. I had no idea. Earlier in the season, a third of Australia's threatened spectacled flying fox bat species died in a two-day period. Wow. Here in the U.S., forestry experts are warning that wildfire prevention is yet another casualty of President Donald Trump's high-stakes shutdown of the federal government to demand funding for his border wall. Prevention measures to reduce the risk of out-of-control wildfires like controlled burns and debris clearing, which usually take place during the winter, have been halted during this ongoing shutdown. It's now the longest in U.S. history. Well, I guess we don't have to worry. I'm sure the next wildfire season won't be bad at all. No preparation needed. Colorado State Forester Mike Lester told CBS Denver that the shutdown has drastically reduced staffing at the U.S. Forest Service during this crucial window of opportunity. Every day we miss, where we, where we have snow on the ground and good atmospheric conditions, is a day that we can't reclaim. We don't have enough staff resources to really get the job done that we need to get done. Meanwhile, toxic coal ash waste is contaminating groundwater in at least 22 states. That's according to the utility industry's own data compiled by the nonprofit Environmental Integrity Project and Earth Justice. Coal ash is the toxic waste left over after coal is burned to generate electricity. In Illinois, toxic heavy metals were detected in the groundwater of 22 out of 24 coal ash dump sites. In Georgia, at 11 of 12 sites, 
sites. And in Texas, toxic heavy metals were detected in all 16 coal-fired power plants with dump sites. And this is at the same time that Donald Trump's EPA is lifting rules and restrictions on mercury and so forth in our drinking water? Yes, it is. But finally, there is a bit of good news. A federal judge has temporarily blocked some parts of the Trump administration's efforts to expand offshore oil exploration in the Atlantic, broadly opposed by a range of coastal cities, businesses, and conservation organizations. The judge ruled that the administration cannot issue permits allowing undersea seismic blasting off the Atlantic coast while the government shutdown continues. But once it starts up again, they can do it under the Trump administration and endanger the population of whales. Yes, but it does buy marine wildlife some time. So good thing we're having this shutdown. Sort of. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, or Google Play. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Under the sea. Under the sea, darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Well, thank you very much, Desi Joyen. Yes. Uh, we didn't have time to go into the details there on the seismic uh, testing and the effect on uh, sea animals, whales, all kinds of animals are it's affected by that. It's right? incredibly harmful. Just imagine for yourself a, a shotgun blast going off next to your ear every minute for weeks at a time. So at least if there's any upside to the government shutdown, it has for now helped our friends under the sea from having to deal with that crap. Just for a little while. But yes, every little bit helps. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. Also to my guest today, Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. Always good to hear from you. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and I hope you will share what we do here on the Facebooks and the Twitters, where you can find me at the Brad Blog. My thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. You are responsible for keeping us on your public airwaves. You're responsible or you can be blamed. Depends on how you want to look at it. (laughs) All right, that's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Each little slug here cutting a rug here under the sea.